0: Sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name. Praise God, praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Glad you could join us today. Why don't we go to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this day that you have made, O Lord, for we shall rejoice. And be also glad in it. We rejoice on this Resurrection Sunday, O Lord God, as we remember your words, O Lord God, as we think about how our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, went to the cross, O Lord God, was crucified and rose victoriously, O Lord God, to set us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death. Yes, Lord, we praise you and magnify thy name. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that as your words go forth this day, that you shall speak to the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every single listener that is out there today. Let them come to know you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We praise you, Heavenly Father. I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Again, I say welcome. This is Resurrection Sunday, and I hope you are enjoying it thus far. And as you go through the balance of the day, I hope you will remember to reflect on what was done on this very, very important day of the year. Uh, Resurrection Sunday is indeed one of the it's the most important day on our Christian calendar, amen. While, of course, Christmas is, is important because Jesus was born, but it was the price that was paid and how Jesus rose victoriously that is certain, certainly paramount in our lives as Christians because this is what gives us our freedom. This is what gives us our salvation. This is what gives us eternal life oh, in the name of Jesus. So we should be really, really thankful and feel so blessed to be here for Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Now we all know the uh, the story of the crucifixion and, and, and but the thing is what does it really mean to us today? Okay, what significance does it hold for us as Christians here in the twenty first century? You know, how does it does it apply to us? We've all heard the stories of the crucifixion and, and the resurrection from the time that we were children, most likely. We all know the events you know, the detailed events of the crucifixion and so forth. So I'm not going to go go blow by blow for every single detail that led up to the crucifixion, but I want to look mostly at the the final moments of the crucifixion and then Jesus' resurrection and the after events, because this is how we need to relate and think about, you know, how this is not merely a story, but this has critical critical application to our lives today as as Christians, and it has critical application to the lives of those who are not yet believers, who are not yet believers, because what Jesus did at the cross, the price that he paid at the cross, makes it so that anyone out there within the sound of my voice that is not yet a believer, I pray that you will please, you know, pray about or think about uh, uh, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, because he died for you too, okay? He didn't just die for us Christians. He died for all of us because at one point in time we were not Christian, you know, or we were not strong believers, and we certainly were not, uh, had not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So this is an important message uh, for you also, amen, to really understand just what the events did mean, okay? All right, so we, we're going to look at that today, and it's it's fascinating because these series of events, you know, a Palm Sunday message was talking about how uh, 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 the uh, crucifixion, everything was, was prophesied. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem was prophesied. We saw that in Zechariah 9, nine, you know, and everything with the crucifixion was also prophesied. And this clearly shows us again that our God is a God of plans. And our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he planned this out a long time ago, eons and eons ago, and step by step, the events of Jesus Christ's life unfolds, unfolds, unfolds before our very eyes, and God gave us his written words for us to be able to read about it. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we understand it. So what I want to start with today, again, I'm not going to go to the details that led up to his arrest, but I want to start with after he was erected, okay? And like uh, again, I won't go through the horrible beatings and everything that he went through in his trip down Golgotha on the way to the cross, but let's go to Matthew, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. And this would be a good time to say that if you don't have your Bible, please pause, run and get your Bible. Grab a pencil and pen or a piece of paper, you know, a piece of paper, perhaps take some notes as Holy Spirit so guides. Mark up your Bible so that you can come back to these scriptures as Holy Spirit so guides you. Amen. Amen. So starting with uh, chapter 27, Matthew 27, verse number 45. Now from the sixth hour, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calls for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come down to save him. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. On the line, please. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Yielded up the ghost. Amen. During the three hours, during the three hours that Jesus hung on the cross, darkness continued. Jesus was in agony and suffering his father's displeasure against the sin of man for which he was now making his soul an offering. He was feeling the impact of that. So that's why he cried out, Eli, Eli, my God, why have you forsaken me? At this point in time, when Jesus was taking on the sin of mankind upon him, he was filled with sin of all mankind. Therefore, God, the father, whom he had been with for all of eternity, could not look upon him. God, the father could not look upon him. And at that time, the fellowship that they once had forever and ever, John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was always with the father. At that point in time, God cannot look upon sin. So he turned away and Jesus said, Lord, father, why have you forsaken me? Never were there there such three hours, three long hours since the day that God created man upon the earth. It was the turning point for man's redemption and salvation, Jesus uttered the words from Psalm twenty-two, verse one: "Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani?" Jesus uttered those words because in Psalm twenty-two, one, and I quote, it says, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me, and from the words of my roaring?" Okay, Jesus was experiencing despair because God the Father had to look away. Jesus, just before he expired, spoke with his full strength to show that that his life was not taken from him, but that he was voluntarily, he was offering up himself, being the high priest, as well as the sacrifice. He cried out with that loud voice, and then he yielded up the ghost. Then he yielded up his spirit, and he died, and he died, okay? But he said it with a long, with a loud, strong voice to let you know, to let all that was there to know that you weren't taking anything from me. I am giving up. I am giving up my life. If we go to John 19, and he gives us a little more information on, on those particular moments, go to John 19. Uh, John 19, verse number 28. John 19, verse 28. And it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, underline the that please, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a set, uh, there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, preparing for Passover, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away, okay? As you know, remember remember the cruelness of crucifixion. One of the things that killed you with crucifixion was the fact that your arms were were strung up like this, which was was stretching uh, pressure and putting pressure on your lungs so it was difficult to breathe. Therefore, the person that was being crucified would tend to push up, push up with their feet, just trying to get more air into their lungs. So the reason that they broke their legs was that so that they could not push up with their feet, thereby speeding up the death process, speeding up the death of crucifixion. Amen. Amen. So they said like to, to, to go and break their legs uh, so that they might be, be taken away, so the bodies could be taken away. Verse 32, then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Okay. You see, Jesus willingly gave up his spirit. So he was gone when he chose to go, when the time for him to go Okay, they didn't have to wait for man to come along and break his legs to help him to suffocate and die on the cross. He willingly gave up the ghost. Okay, so then when they broke the other legs, but other legs, but when they came to Jesus, don't forget there were two thieves on either side of of Jesus. Okay, okay, and uh, and it says in thirty three. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they broke not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water, blood and water. Remember. For sacrifice blood has to be spilled. Okay? And don't forget, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Blood has to be spilled. Amen? Amen? And he saw that, and he saw that uh, it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he's what he saith is true, that you might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. That the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look upon whom they pierce. Okay? Again, this is prophecy. Everything that Jesus did was the fulfillment of prophecy. Again, God the master planner. God had to reconcile, wanted to reconcile mankind to himself. And the only way to do that was to, make the, to give the ultimate sacrifice. Okay? And don't forget now, and this is a whole sermon unto itself, so I won't go into too much detail, but the whole timing of Jesus' our crucifixion and resurrection was on around the Passover time and around this time that people would be sacrificing lambs. And In order to sacrifice a lamb, the lamb had to be what? It had, it had to be clean, it had to be unblemished, without spot, without wrinkle. Okay? And as a part of the Seder, the Seder dinner that they had there for Passover, the lamb, the bones of the lamb could not be broken. You see, so this is a direct parallel to what was to happen at, at, at our Passover. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Because of what Jesus did, we no longer have to sacrifice on a yearly basis. On a yearly basis, do we have to sacrifice lambs or anything else? Okay, to atone for the sins of man. Jesus was the final sacrifice. And he said, it is finished. Amen. Now, isn't that an odd thing for someone to even say? You know, up they're hanging on the cross. After he said, Eli, Eli, you know, why have you forsaken me? To then say, it is finished. It is because, and it said there before that, the scripture said that in 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Okay. Then he, he gave him the sponge. And then later on, he said, it is finished. Okay. The work that Jesus had to do was pre-planned by God the Father. And God the Father gave Jesus instructions every single step of the way. What to say in his ministry, what to say to the scribes and Pharisees, what to tell the Jewish people in the crowds about this way of life as God the Father wanted it to be. Okay? Alright? It was all planned. And Jesus said, it is finished. In other words, my job is done. My job is done. It was finished. Nothing else had to be done. Nothing else has to be done for you as a child of God. Nothing else has to be done. It's all been taken care of. It's all been taken care of okay it is finished all right okay and and we see that 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 that, that and when Jesus was on that cross, his physical body did die. his physical body did die. His spirit was separated from his body, and his body was left really and truly dead all right. It's a fact. His body did die. It was certain that Christ did die. Jesus did die, for it was necessary that he should die. It had to happen. Again, again, the sacrificial lamb, the lamb has to die. The blood has to be spilled. Okay. He had undertaken to make himself an offering for sin, and he did it when he willingly gave up his life. Okay. When he willingly gave up his life. And then now let's go back to Matthew here and we see that after he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost and and so forth. We go to Matthew 27 and let's go to, uh, let's see, verse number 51, Matthew 27, verse number 51, and it says, and behold. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. It was ripped in two. Twain means two. Okay. And, uh, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. The rocks were shattered and broken up. Then the graves were opened. Verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Boy, it must have been some sight. 54, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Truly, this was the son of God. The veil in the temple in verse 51 was torn in two when he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Now, what does that mean? Prior to Jesus, death and resurrection here, The veil it's referring to in the temple there was the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court. Okay, it was the outer court, the inner court, and then it was the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the most most holy place. It's where the mercy seat was. It's where the high priest once a year would go into that Holy of Holies place and, and sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat. And it was all a part of the forgiveness of sin for the people and so forth, that process. But that had to be done on a yearly basis because what he did was not a permanent thing. What Jesus did was a permanent thing. Okay? So the only way to God was through through that particular priest. Mankind in general was separated by that heavy curtain. It was a heavy curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court. All right? Now, when the, the curtain was torn in two, that was signifying that now man, through Jesus Christ, had direct access to God. Okay? The the, the veil was destroyed, was done away with. Now man has direct access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we don't need a high priest to go plead a sprinkle blood over the mercy seat. We don't need a high priest. We don't need anyone else. We don't need another human being to go and do something to act on behalf of us in order to get to the Father. Because of Jesus Christ, we have access to, to God the Father. You can pray to God in the name of Jesus. And the Lord hears your voice. Amen? Amen? Now that alone was something that had people there. They, 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 they were marveling, oh my gosh, look at what had happened here. I mean, there was this tremendous quake. And, and, then, and then to show God what he meant and what Jesus had done, that veil separating mankind from God was torn into it is finished. No longer do you need yearly sacrifices. No longer do you need any sort of other rituals. You, no longer do you have to go find a lamb or a turtle dove or something if you couldn't afford to actually get a whole lamb, you know, a live lamb, because the turtle doves would use the sacrifices too. Okay. It, it, it is finished. Jesus paid the whole price. Okay. It was done. And then we see that the resurrection, we continue on here. Um, let's go to uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, remember I said, I wasn't going to go to all the details leading up to the crucifixion. I mainly want to focus on the resurrection and what that means to us today, because that is what what is important. All of us from the time that we were children, I mean, most of us, from the time that we were children, we heard the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection story of Jesus Christ. And maybe some were even told, we were told as children that Jesus died for our sins. But how do we apply that knowledge here today in the 21st century with all that is going on around us? And what are we thinking about on today, Resurrection Sunday? What, what are we, we remembering? This is a time that we should think about the price that was paid and, and, and how Jesus, you know, all that he was and had and came to this planet, came to this earth as a man, taking upon, us, upon himself all the bodily things that physical bodies carry along with him, with them, amen? And he died for our sins and was resurrected. How does that impact us today? Amen? So we see in, in 28 here now, we continue here, in the end of the Sabbath, in the end of the Sabbath, Solomon verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like light, like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Underline verse six here. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Jesus said he was going to rise. And that's exactly what happened. He is not. Why are you looking here for Jesus in this grave? He is not here, for he is risen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Go, go run, tell the disciples. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee, there you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. All right, go into Galilee, there you shall see Jesus. Verse number eight, and they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Now, can you imagine how they, they must have must have felt Jesus talked about himself coming back and he was going to rise, okay? But how many of them deep in their heart of hearts really, really believed it? I mean, it says that they had both joy and great fear, okay? They saw Jesus die. They saw the blood that came out of his side. These three women put him into the tomb there. They, I mean, they, they, they saw this with their eyes, but yet still, he was dead in their minds. So now to see his body, not there miraculously. And then the angel say, go tell the disciples and you go also. Okay. Where he said that, go to Galilee. He said, I shall see you there. Right. Verse number eight again. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me and they there shall see me and there they shall see me. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who hung there on that cross. They saw him give up the ghost. They saw him say and heard him say, it is finished. They saw him drop his head and die. They were there when his body was taken down off the cross. They knew he was dead. And now the fact that he was no longer in that tomb had arisen and then appeared before them. Can you imagine what would have gone through their minds? Amen. 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 We here in the 21st century, we need to get that that through our minds and into our spirits, deeply planted that Jesus Christ did die and he did miraculously arise. Okay. Word of God says elsewhere that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that quickened Jesus' body back to life. Amen. We deal with a miraculous God, miraculous God. If he can do this, there's nothing else that he can do, can't do in your life. Whatever you've got going on, you can remember that what we're reading here. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior yet, now is the time for you to run and confess him and ask him to come into your life. Now is the time. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. You never know when you lay your head down on the pillow, if that may be the last time that you lay your head down on that pillow. You never know. We do not, we do not want to go without having Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This whole plan of, that God had, you know, from the, from the beginning there to, to, to bring us back to him and to, to, to uh, open the way and make a way for us to be saved and to have an abundant life and so forth. All of that was planned by God and he carried it out. And we have his written word here to, to, to give us step by step insights into exactly what went on and how it was tied so much to prophecy. Prophecy that was written hundreds of years before these events actually took place. Amen, 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 amen. So we see here that it talks about him being risen, and Jesus said to go into Galilee, where where you will see him again. Now, if you go to Luke twenty four, I won't go there now, and just read all of Luke twenty four. It talks about all the events that took place there. You know how he was. Um, uh, 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 the two of them were walking by. I think it was on the road to Emmaus, I believe it was, and and. Uh, 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 he showed up and joined them and was talking to these two guys and so forth and and they were saying Jesus pretended like he didn't know what was going on and and he said to um, they said to Jesus you know what are you a stranger you don't know what happened with Jesus of Nazareth and so on and so on like that and and then they talked a bit and and finally at one point after they decided to sit down and eat something Jesus opened their eyes that they could see and recognize him and when they did they were amazed okay. And he appeared to so many people uh, uh, after that. So it is a fact. It's a written fact that Jesus indeed walked this earth, walked this earth uh, um, after the crucifixion. And after his resurrection. Amen. 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 And that's in Luke 24. You can see more. You know that we go, if you go into Acts uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 14 or so, it talks about how Jesus told them to, to, go, to go into that upper room. We know that in Acts for promising to give them the Holy Spirit. We know that in Acts chapter 2, the famous Acts, Acts chapter 2 there, is where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. At one point, Jesus said, I have to return to the Father because if I don't go, then I cannot send the Comforter. I cannot send the Holy Spirit to you. Okay. So Jesus was seen walking on this planet earth. He promised them the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. He, he gave them, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and then uh, and then he returned it to the Father. Okay. All right. So now we have all of these facts written there before us, but now he came in, all of this happened so that we could have abundant life. Jesus accomplished all of this and fulfilled prophecy so that we could have abundant life. Jesus came so that people may have life in him that is meaningful, that is purposeful, joyful, and eternal. We receive this abundant life the moment that we accept him as our Lord and Savior. This word abundant in the Greek is perisson, and it, it means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure. A quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one expect or anticipate. This is what Jesus promised us. Okay? This is why he came. In short, Jesus promises us a life far better than we could ever imagine. He promises a life far better than we could ever imagine. If you look in Corinthians uh, Corinthians 1, Corinthians chapter 2, you see where the words are there that says, No eye um, has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? We can't even begin to imagine what God has planned for us because we love him, because we gave ourselves to him. Because we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared. Okay, all right. So we don't know what wondrous things lie ahead of us in our lives. But many times we get trapped into so much worry and so much fear because the devil is there pumping all sorts of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. You know, you know, you know oh, you're not this, you're not this, you're not that, or what you used to be, used to be, used to be. The devil is so much in our lives all in front of us. And he does that through the news media, through what we see on TV, through people coming to us, talking on the job, in school, or wherever we may be, that we wind up thinking that our lives are just going to be so miserable. Well, if, you're, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he is your Lord and Savior, then you better believe that God has a plan for you, which is far beyond what you can even imagine. Will you have trials and tribulations from day to day? Periodically, yes, you will. Jesus said you will when he was out and about ministering. He said that, but he has overcome the world. So Jesus is greater than anything that may be going on in your life right now. The events of the crucifixion and resurrection for you right now may feel like that is so far removed from what is going on in your life. And I'm saying, you saint of God, it is not so far removed. It's directly related to where you are in life right now. It's directly related to whatever may be troubling you in life right now. The fact of the matter is that you've got to grasp that in your head and grasp it in your spirit that what you're reading here is true. God the Father did not orchestrate all of this for no reason. Jesus Christ did not let himself be put through the pain and the agony that he did for no reason. It was all for you, for you, okay, for you. What did Jesus pray in the Garden at Gethsemane there? He said, Father, and I'm paraphrasing you, Father, if there's any way, let this cup, let this plan pass from me. However, Father, not according to my will, but according to your will, Father. Okay, so Jesus knew. Yes, so he went away. He went through with it. He went to the cross, gave up that ghost, gave up his ghost, gave up his spirit, and said, it is finished. Okay, so his work is done. All you got to do now is accepted and receive it and work with it. The package has been delivered to your doorstep. UPS FedEx has delivered this package to your doorstep, and now it's there. All you have to do is receive it and act on it because it's there. It is finished. It is finished. Okay? So he came to the week and have abundant life. In Ephesians 3, it says that the apostle Paul tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, and he does it by his power. He does it by his power, a power that is at work within us if we belong to him. Okay. It's done by his power, okay, which, is in, which is at work within us if we believe in him. This is what we must grasp and understand. Jesus said that I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And more abundantly, again, means to have a superabundance of a thing. Okay. More abundantly means to have a superabundance of something. Abundant life refers to life in its abounding fullness of joy and strength for mind, body, and soul. For mind, body, and soul. Before we begin to have visions of lavish homes, expensive cars, and tons of money, we need to pause and think about what Jesus teaches regarding this abundant life. What does Jesus teach regarding this abundant life? The Bible tells us that wealth, prestige, position, and power in this world are not God's priorities for us, okay? Prestige, riches, wealth, that's not God's priority for us. You know, biblically speaking, abundant life does not consist of an abundance of material things, all right? Biblically speaking, life is, abundant life is not talking about material things, okay? And many of us probably have known people that, I mean, did not have yachts and multiple cars and multiple homes on each continent, but they loved the Lord and they were serious about God, serious about Jesus Christ. They embraced Holy Spirit and let Holy Spirit guide their lives. And they were some of, the, or are some of the most joyful people that I know in the world. I know many. Most joyful people I know in the world. And they're not driving multiple fancy cars and so forth but who they are and what they are and what they can share with you relative to the word, the love that they have for their fellow man, for fellow mankind. This is living an abundant life. And the ones, the people that I know like that, they wouldn't trade their lot in life for anything in the world. They said, no, I don't need multiple cars. I don't need multiple homes and so forth. I'm in love with the Lord and I'm living a wondrous life right now, right here and now. Amen. Amen. So God's priorities are not the, 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 the material things of life. Okay. If that was the case, Jesus could have been a wealthy man. But just the opposite is true. Jesus didn't even own a house. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right? If his focus was to have stuff and everything, then he could have been, he could have been a wealthy man. All right. But he didn't, he didn't even own a house. So what is this abundant life again that we need to understand? A Christian's life revolves around growing a Christian's life revolves around growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And that teaches us that the abundant life is a continual process. Abundant life is a continual process of, of, of learning, practicing the Word, and maturing, as well as, as as failing sometimes, Okay, as well as recovering if you fail as well as adjusting and enduring and overcoming whatever those failures might be in life. This is what an abundant life provides for us. The ability for us to continually mature and grow and to learn more and more about Jesus. To grow into a real personal relationship with Jesus. That's what an abundant life is. When you can wake up in the morning feeling comfortable that, gee whiz, whatever plays out this day, whatever goes on, Jesus is with me. God the Father is with me. Holy Spirit is within me. I have someone that I can ask advice of. This is living in abundant life. When you can wake up in the morning totally worry-free, totally worry-free, not concerned about what the day is going to bring. Or if there is something on the agenda there that you're not really looking forward to, you wake up still feeling totally free, knowing that as you go into that situation, as unpleasant as it may seem right now, that God is going to bring me through it. This is living an abundant life. Okay? When you can live worry free, stress free, this is living an abundant life. God's priorities are not material things. Okay? Through the resurrection, the, 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 the gift of the Holy Spirit and the authority of using Jesus' name gives us the ability to live that abundant life. This is another aspect of, of, of the results of the work on the cross. Remember, Jesus said, if I do not go, I cannot leave you the comforter. I have to return to the Father, then I can leave you the comforter, which is what he did. He left us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. This is living an abundant life. In fact, God is not overly concerned with the physical circumstances of our lives. He assures us that we need not to worry about what we will eat or what we will wear. And you can read all about that in Matthew 6, starting at verse number 25 where it says about how God so uh, 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 clothes the birds of the air and, and, and takes care of the grass and so forth like that, that yeah, how much more he will do for you as a human being, as a child of God. Mankind is his ultimate creation. And so if God takes care of all of the rest of creation, God will surely take care of you. Amen? Amen? Amen. We have to remember that. Physical or material blessings don't make you any holier. The number of cars you have, the number of houses, how big your house doesn't make you any holier at all. This is not our measurement. Those are the measurements of the world. Those are the standards of the world. Okay. okay? Oh, how can he be a child of God? Gee whiz! I mean, he's got he's, he's he's got a scooter that he rides around on. <laughs> he doesn't own a car. He has a very very small apartment. Okay. That doesn't make you that doesn't make you any less holy, because you have two or three houses and big cars does not make you holier. It's not the material things of life that are important to God. What is your spiritual condition? You have multiple homes, multiple cars, and big, 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 big bank account. But what is your spiritual condition? Amen. amen. How do you use that wealth even? Do you help others? Do you feed the poor? Do you help the widow? Do you help the fatherless? This is what the word of God says we should be doing. Okay, so material things do not make us any holier at all. Paul says that he was content in whatever physical circumstances or conditions he found himself in, in, a, in, in, a, in Philippians 4. He, he says that, I, yeah, I, I'm happy. I know what it's like to be abased. I know what it's like to be exalted. I can be happy no matter where I am. Are you happy no matter where you are? Are you only happy when you promised a big raise? Are you only happy when you're promised a bonus? Okay, right. No matter what state you're in, you should be happy. That happiness to come from the fact that you are a child of God. And knowing that God is on your case. And knowing that God is on your program. He knows what you need and he will make sure that you are amply supplied. Amen. We may not always wind up getting what we want. But we will always get what we need. God will always give us what we need. Many times the thing that we want are not good for us anyway. Many times. Okay. So God is there. The scripture says, I will supply your every need. So therefore, if you know that, then you're living an abundant life. Because if you need something, then you have it. That's abundant. That's abundant. Okay? You need to have ten times of that. If you have the need and God supplies it, then you're getting what you need. So that's living an abundant life. Amen? Amen? True abundant life consists of an abundance of love, joy, peace, and all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Not an abundance of stuff, again I say. It consists of life. That is eternal, and therefore our interest is in the eternal, not the temporal, not the here and now. Our interest is in the eternal, because that's where we're going to be, into eternity. Every single human being on this planet Earth will spend eternity in one of two places. Every single human being, one of two places, will spend eternity. Either it will be with God the Father in heaven, or it will be, God forbid, in the pits of hell. But the Word of God says that. we, The human spirit does not die. It does not die. So I know for me personally, I know where I'd much rather be, and that is sitting by the Father in heaven, worshiping and spending eternity praising God. And I'm trying every single moment that I'm here on this earth to do the best that I can to do what God is calling me to do. And therefore, God supplies all my needs. God supplies everything that I need, has been for a very, 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 very long time. Amen? Amen? And I have that faith and I have that confidence. This is abundant life. This is abundant life. This is what the cross means to us. The word of God and Paul admonishes us, it says, uh, to set, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. Let me read that again. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Okay? That's where we need to set our minds okay? Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ was resurrected for you. And he gave you, if you know him, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you have eternal life, okay? Which is a lot to be said for right there. You have eternal life, a life with God the Father. That's the important thing. That's the important thing. This is what the scripture, what the resurrection means to us in 2022. And every every year moving forward until Jesus returns, this is what the resurrection means. Amen? We are children of God. God has put his hand on you. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God the Father is calling to you. He's calling to you. He's calling to you. And some of you may feel it. You may feel it. You may be kind of antsy. You may feel like there's something else better about this life. There's something else that I need to do. Uh, I I just can't keep living like this. You may be feeling like there's something else going on. Well, you're right. There's something else going on. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God is calling you. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. When are you going to just give in and submit and say, yes, Lord, I hear you. And here I come. I'm calling. Come into my life. Lord Jesus. I can no longer do it my way. I repent of all of my sins. I'm so sorry for for A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Lord Jesus, I repent of those sins. And Lord, I'm coming to you. Take control of my life. Take control of my life. I want you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. I want to be yours. Come in and take control. It's as simple as that. You don't need fancy words. You don't need need to to light candles and all of that. You still need to cry out from your heart. And if you believe, the word of God says, if you believe in your heart, if you believe, if you believe that Jesus is, is Lord, and if you believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, that's the key. The scripture says that if you believe, that's the key. If you believe, then you indeed shall be saved. If you can confess that prayer then from this moment forward, then you are indeed saved in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray this message was a blessing to you. And I pray that as you go into the balance of the week and the balance of the day, think on these words, think on it. Jesus paid a tremendous price just for you. Just for you. Give in and call him, accept him into your heart right now, today, as soon as you hit the stop button on this message. Reach out and call unto him. He's there and he's waiting for you. Praise God, praise God. If this message has been a blessing to you, please pass the link to where we can be found at www.genesis1.sermon.net, www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page and you'll see a subscribe button. Click on subscribe and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available, amen. And we're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. We still have our free apps for uh, Android and Apple devices available. Uh, free of charge, download them, put them on your phones, on your tablets, you know, this way you can listen to the Word when you're in your car or at some some time when you're by yourself or, or even if something is troubling you, you know, there's, I don't know, close to 400 sermons uh, on that website. You can scroll through back in time and let the Holy Spirit guide you on what to listen to, okay? But uh, Resurrection Sunday, think on it, pray on it. Let the Lord minister to your heart. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, and now we pray that as we go through the balance of the day, O Lord, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God, that we shall keep these words deeply rooted within our spirit so that they cannot be stolen away when the evil one tries to raise his ugly head against us, O Lord. Heavenly Father God, I pray, O Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will continue to minister to every single listener, O Lord God, that was here today. Speak to their hearts, O Lord God. Let them know who you are, Let them know that the work of the cross was designed for them. Touch them, O Lord God, and speak to them in your own special way. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We love you. We magnify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go forth this day and uh, and, and be blessed. Be blessed. Okay? And know that Jesus is there. He's waiting for you. Reach out to him. Call upon him. Go forth and be blessed. And remember that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And I sing praises to your name. Oh.